This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. According to data from the 2016 census, 20% of Quadra Island residents and 27% of Cortez Island residents are paying more for their homes in rent or mortgages than they can afford. More recent studies suggest that a significant number of families throughout the Strathcona Regional District are so financially stretched that they are at risk of becoming homeless. 75% of the housing insecure respondents to the Collecting Stories of Where We Live survey on Cortez Island and 33% on Quadra Island had jobs. These are some of the people that North Island Powell River MP Rachel Blaney is referring to when she talks about the need for a bar of dignity. One of the things that I'm really passionate about working for my constituency and in fact for all of Canada is this idea of having a bar of dignity where people are that we don't let them go under that. She told Cortez Currents. What we're seeing now is a lot of people falling between the cracks. We see it in our communities. We see it in people that are couch surfing. We see it in people in some of our bigger communities where they're pushing their carts around because that is their home. Everything in that cart is their home. We're just seeing a lot of working families doing all the right things, just doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And they're not making enough to make ends meet. So many people that are working and not making enough to make ends meet. So I think it's important that we do have that bar of dignity. And part of that is having a social standard that we won't allow collectively people to fall below. So there's work that needs to be done that in that area. It's things like having affordable housing, really, that is based on people's income, no more than 30%. It really makes a difference. And I think the other thing that's so important in that is if people have enough, there's far less things like crime goes down, community well-being goes up, social and health indicators go up. It's less expensive for us to invest in a bar of dignity. Just like with dental care, there's a lot of money being spent in emergency rooms in this country right now because people cannot afford to do their dental care. So by the time they go into the hospital to get that dealt with, the problem isn't something simple to fix. It's something big and complex and expensive to fix. When we talk about a bar of dignity and having those social programs that don't let people fall below that bar of dignity, we have to talk about money. And I'm happy to talk about money because we know that the more people that you have living on the streets, the higher the cost. More cost in policing, more cost in local things in your community. It's expensive. Whereas if you build people a place to live where they're safe, we know that all of those things start to level out. The other part that I have to mention is we have to be brave enough to look at some of the big corporations and say, you got to start paying your fair share. The working people I know are paying their fair share. Seniors with fixed incomes, they're paying their fair share. They may not have a lot, but they're paying their taxes. They know that those things go into healthcare, that they go into making sure that they have what they need. But we have a lot of people that aren't. So recently, for example, one of the things that we've indicated very clearly is some of the big box grocery stores are not paying their fair share. In fact, we know that Loblaws last year made a million dollars in profit extra every single day. Every single day they made that. And where is that money going? To the people who own it and to their people that are shareholders. And at the same time they're doing that, of course, as soon as COVID settled down a little bit, they took off that extra money that they were paying their hardworking people on the front lines who don't make a lot of money already. We have to start saying that's not okay. 
We're seeing a lot of oil and gas businesses that are making the biggest profit that they've seen in the last 30 years. Well, that worries me because it's telling me that the costs that we're paying when we go to fuel up is not just inflation. It's also greedflation. It's people taking this opportunity to make more. So we've asked the government to get serious and have the Competition Bureau be part of this, especially around the grocery store part. Because especially now when people are trying to figure out how they're going to feed themselves because the costs of everything are going up, we have to make sure that that is not why. It's not because richer people can be richer. I've run a family, I've run a nonprofit organization. We couldn't be spending crazy because if we did, everything would fall apart. So I agree that we always have to be cautious about how we spend our money. But we also have to think of the ways that we, as a government, make our money. And are we holding those people to account? I think there was another report that came out that I think it's $30 million could have been caught by CRA if we had we'd closed tax loopholes. So when we look at these projects, we're like, oh, those are so expensive. We have to look at the other side and go, why are we allowing these big corporations to get away with it? Why are we telling people who are struggling every day that if we do anything, they're all going to leave and we're all going to be here with no jobs? I don't believe that. I've seen other countries take this on. And I think Canada has to step up again and again. What's kind of interesting for me to sit in the House of Commons and hear the Conservatives yelling at the Liberals about things that they created when they were in government. Tax loopholes, Conservatives did a lot of things. They didn't go after people seriously around the Panama Papers. There's some serious history here that we have to look at. So I hope Canadians understand that us who are fighting really hard to make the world a better place. Those of us that are working really hard and should be respected for the work that they do or the work that they've given, like seniors, they built this country. We owe them a debt of gratitude. And part of that is just making sure that they have a basic bar of dignity. They're all working hard. And I feel like we're seeing too many systems that disrespect the hard work of the people of our country while letting people who are making a ton of money get away with it. I'm just not okay with that. I won't stop fighting until something changes because Canadians deserve that part of dignity. We should not be wondering how we're going to feed ourselves in this country. We should not be worrying about if we're going to be able to keep a roof over our head. And we should not be worrying about if we're going to be able to have a heat on or not. That is wrong. We need to make a difference. And one of those ways is holding them to account. What's another way? Housing that is really based on people and their incomes. This is especially important for seniors, especially in rural communities where they may have houses that are too large for them and property that is too large. We need to find ways and pathways for people to stay closer to home on their limited income. This is particularly important for seniors. Is the federal government doing any affordable housing projects in our area? They've invested in a few, not in our smaller communities, especially not for seniors. We're finding that to be a huge gap in the federal model is they don't have seniors housing identified as a key outcome. We're still working on educating them. It focuses on corporations being able to get some of that money. And then they say they have affordable housing, but it's not based on what I think is important, which is that if you make sure that people are paying about 30% of their income on their housing, they tend to stay fairly stable. If it gets over that, it really leads to a lack of stability, which is not good for communities. And it's definitely not good for seniors and families. That's the measurement that I use, and that's the measurement the party uses. What measurement are they using for affordable living? 
some housing that they have deemed as affordable in bigger cities that is like a $2,000 a unit, which we know for anybody who's working an average job, a, a fixed income, any of those things, those folks are not put in that box at all. One of the things that we've suggested to the federal government is that the assessment come from the community itself. Communities usually do the work to identify what a livable wage is in their region. And so if we looked at that, it would definitely make it more affordable. Or for the non-market housing to really be placed in the nonprofit sector, where we know for sure that there'll be a measurement skill of 30%. And how that's usually done is by year-end tax return. What policies has the NDP brought forward to help Canadians at risk? The housing allowance is now going through. If you are paying more than 30% of your income in rent, you can apply for this one-time $500. It won't fix everything. I acknowledge that. But we really felt that it was important during this time where the cost of living is going up so quickly. And a lot of people are struggling to even get a little bit of money in the doors for those folks will make a big difference. So that money should be coming in the new year. And of course, once our office is made aware of how that will flow out, what the process is, we're going to be letting people know. We're encouraging people to go ahead and call or email our office and let us know if you want to be on that list. And as soon as that information comes out, we'll make sure to get it out through email as quickly as possible. Or a call if you don't have email, because I know a few of our constituents don't. The GST rebate increase is done. That piece of legislation went through the House, passed through the Senate. And last Friday on November the 4th, people should have gotten their first payment from GST rebate. So I'm really proud of that. The NDP proposed this in the spring of this year. And it was, you know, I was literally on television arguing with the Liberal Parliamentary Secretary saying, no, this is not a good plan. And it doesn't make sense to me. I know inflation is a reality. I know that people are struggling. And I know that when we look at any sort of action we want to take in this country, we want to make sure that it doesn't increase inflation. Giving money to people who need it most does not impact inflation. It just helps people who need it most. So the first payment came out. There should be another one coming in the new year. And then after that, we'll reassess. But that money is out there. Can you say a few words about the dental plan, which I know is going to apply for children under the ages of 12? But what about the rest of the Canadians? Well, we are taking an incremental approach because the Liberals chose to do that. We really wanted to get dental care out the door. We've done two mailers in the last year and a half on dental care, and I've been really shocked by how many people have sent us information. And it's disheartening. We hear from a lot of families, quite frankly, and a lot of seniors who just can't afford the dental care that they desperately need. What's happening now is that bill has gone through. It's right now sitting with the Senate around dental care. It takes a while to get the program up and running. But we wanted the government to commit to our agreement and show that they were going to follow through. So what we've done is We've got a payment that's going to come out to families who make less than $90,000 a year and have children 12 and under. And that process is going to come, and as soon as we know about it, we will be letting people know. And if you want to be on that list, let us know. Next year, what we're going to see added to it is children 18 and under, seniors, and persons living with disabilities will all be eligible for the federal dental program. Right now, Don Davies, who is our healthcare critic, is working really hard with the minister's office to make sure that a program is put in place so that we can have that program as part of our healthcare system so that it isn't just a check going out to people, which is what it is now because we needed to demonstrate 
and we needed the government to demonstrate that they were going to follow through with our agreement, there will be a program put in place that will allow people to get that money. We are also working hard to make sure that that program is something that pays up front. We don't want a program that says, well, you go out and pay that expense and then we get you reimbursed. That's what I'm fighting for because I know it's really hard if you have not a huge amount of money and you have to spend a lot on dental care, trying to find that money would prevent you from that. So we're trying to make sure it's as accessible as it possibly can. The year after that, so children under 12, year one, the second year we're going to see children 18 and under, seniors and persons living with disabilities, and then it should expand to the broader community. Remember, though, it's all based on people who make $90,000 or less. You've been listening to the first half of an interview with local MP Rachel Blaney, in which he talked about the need for a bar of dignity beneath which no Canadian should be allowed to sink. In the second half of this interview, she specifically talks about seniors. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.